you have to pray for me tonight. Um, sometimes preaching is like an athletic event, you know? It's like, uh, it's, it's exhausting. And then also, um, another comparison that I can draw just from my own experience is it's kind of like there's home court advantage and there's an away game, and this feels like an away game for me right now. I'm, in a, I'm preaching to people in, in desks, so I feel like I should pull out a dry erase board or a smart board and, you know, really uh, do some Greek and Hebrew or something fun like that. But we're just going to... We're just going to preach uh, from the scripture tonight, and I'm excited because this is, our, this is our last week in the Devoted series. We've been going through this series uh, called Devoted, and we get that title from Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Maybe some of you have ventured to memorize that, that passage with me. It's um, the, the first summary of the early church, and, and Luke, as he kind of tries to sum it up in his own words, he says, I, I can sum it up like this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, the fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And so they were devoted. They were committed to the church. It wasn't just, you know, an, another thing that they did. It wasn't uh, a social forum. It wasn't another club for the students in here. It wasn't this extracurricular activity. Uh, parents, it wasn't another family support provider. It was who they were. They devoted themselves to this thing, and, and that was who... They, they were, they followed Jesus as Lord, and because they followed Jesus as Lord, what's important to Jesus would therefore then be important to themselves. And, and what was important to Jesus is, is the church. You know, Matthew uh, chapter 16, verse 18, he declares boldly, he says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And they knew that that was important to Jesus, and it became deeply important to us, and, 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 and it should be deeply important to all of us in the room tonight, and so that's where we're kind of uh, going. And so we conclude this series tonight, and uh, I, I just want to remind you that uh, you can go back on iTunes and you can uh, snag some of the other messages if you, if you haven't heard them. I would really, really encourage all of us in our church, I think it's just vital for us as a new church in Boston to, to really get those messages. And I told you last week you get extra credit if you go all the way back to the spring and listen to the One Another series. We went through all the times One Another occurs in the scripture and in the New Testament, and just really dug deep into that, and so I would encourage you to, to listen to that uh, as well. And then what's going to happen is this Saturday, November 12th, in this room here, we're going to hold our very first membership class as a church. I think it's come to that time in the history of us as a church, and so I just want to encourage you to make every effort you can to be here for that, and it's going to be from 10 a.m. till 1.30 in the afternoon, and there will be lunch in the middle of that, and uh, child care can be provided if you if you need that, but I just want to say that, that everybody is welcome to come, so uh, really if you would uh, uh, try to make it a point to be there, that would be really cool. Whether you're, you're a regular here or you're just kind of new and you're exploring the church and you want to know a little bit more about us, I would really encourage you to come because what's going to happen is in the future, this class is always going to be mandatory for moving forward in membership, and so maybe you're not quite there yet, but you take the class and then sometime down the road you say, okay, cool, I'm ready. I'm ready to commit. God's made that clear. And so uh, if you would go online and go to the church website and you can go to uh, connect and then you can go to uh, membership and then there's a form at the bottom of the page there and you can register for that. That would be really cool. And then just another special thing we did for you this week is in that connection card, there's a spot there that you can also say, I would like to 
pursue church membership. And so if you just want to check that in the connection card, and we'll shoot some information to you in the link and all that good stuff. And so just be mindful of that. And this is kind of how it works for us as a church uh, moving forward with membership. We call it the three C's. And so we start with class. And so we'd encourage everybody to take the class. The next one is at the end of the class, we'll uh, give you the opportunity to sign up for a conversation, conversation with a pastor where I get to know you and, and you get to know us a little more. If you have any questions, we can kind of work through that. And then the next one is covenant. So we then, at that point, if we're good to move forward together, we covenant. So class, uh, conversation, and then covenant together. And so again, register online. I think it'll be really a special time for us as a church and just want to really call all of us to, to, to move forward and committing to that. All right? We're going to pray. And we'll get right into uh, our time of preaching in my away game here. So let's pray. God, we love you. And we are really, really grateful uh, for the chance to, to worship you tonight. And uh, Father, I, I pray that tonight you would illuminate scripture to our hearts, that it would really penetrate the deepest parts of, of who we are. God, I ask that uh, for everybody in the room, you know right where they're at. And so we claim your promise that your word does not return void. I pray that it would go forth the way you sent it. And it would just really penetrate hearts and do exactly what you want it to do. And uh, God, would you take this guy out of the way and uh, really just speak uh, specifically to your, your people through your word. And so, Lord, we commit it to you. And as we think through this idea of being devoted to your bride, the church, God, may you really just stir us. God, would you really cause us to unite together uh, with each other uh, because of the unity that we have in the Holy Spirit? And, and really allow us to make an impact here in West Boston. Again, we, we, we think often of the 65,000 people in this corner of Boston and, and really nobody preaching Jesus in English to them. And so, God, we, we, we want to do that. We want to make a dent, and we pray that you would use us in that, Lord. And um, we'll commit all these things to you, Lord, and trust you for great, great things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we are for the past two weeks uh, together, and um, we, we started it last week, and we will conclude this, this chunk uh, of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16 uh, tonight. If you don't have a Bible, you can always uh, grab one of the ones that are on the, uh, the, the seats here, and there's some at the ends. If you need to pass them around, you can certainly do that, and then, of course, we'll always have the scripture up on the screen for you, but we'd love for you to get your, your eyes on a copy of the scripture yourself and just kind of get in the habit of thumbing through verses, and so please feel free to do that. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, take that one home. It's our gift to you. We'd love for you uh, to, to have that. And, and then keep your finger there. We're going to land there in a few minutes, but I just want to kind of give you some introductory work if we can. So week one in this series, we, we, we looked at devotion to the church. We looked at Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, and we saw that the church is a group of people who are really committed to a particular way of, of, of living. We're devoted to that, living with each other and living for the glory of the Lord. And so if you want to refresh in that, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, dig in, good stuff. Week 2, uh, last week we looked at oneness in the church and we saw that, that we should be deeply devoted to oneness and to unity with each other because we have been reconciled back to God our Father. Our relationship with Him has been broken because of our sin. We are reconciled back through the blood of Jesus and our faith in that. To, to a re relationship with God the Father. And what that, ha what that does is if we're, we're reconciled back to him as Father, that makes us then who are reconciled to him brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so we are our family. And we talked specifically from Ephesians 4, the, the first six verses, that we are family uh, first and foremost through uh, the unity of the Holy Spirit in position, 
But now we have to really work out and, and live out being family in, in practice. And so that's where we've been. We've, we've looked at devotion in the church, oneness in the church, and then tonight I want to look at, uh, for a little while here, ministry in the church. Because I think what we need to see is that God has called us first to identify with Jesus Christ, and then as a, just a natural outflow of that, to then identify with his bride, the, the, the church. That means to plug in. That means to commit and to say, I am in. I'm committed to the church because Jesus is deeply concerned and, and in love with, with the church. And I know that that is exactly what you've been thinking. You, you came in today and you were thinking on your mind, Man, I can't wait to get in there because I just want to hear of something else that I can commit to. I really am just itching for something else to commit to. I know that's where you're at, right? A little sarcasm there. So here's the thing. Understand that this is not the president of the PTA saying, hey, would, would you please uh, commit to organizing a bake sale for me? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God and his word saying, listen, I want you to commit to something. And, and when God calls us to do something, He calls us to do something because he knows that it's his best for us. When we follow his will and we obey him, it is his best for us. And and so I I really believe with all of my heart that it is God's will, it is God's design for you to plug in and to commit and become a member uh, of a local expression of the universal church. Some people say, well, you know, as I read through the scriptures, I don't see... I don't see anything about becoming a member of the church. I mean, sure, you could kind of finagle 1 Corinthians 12, right? We're all members of the body. But I don't actually see anything in regards to becoming a formalized member. Well, you know what? I, I, I know that it's not specifically thou shalt become a member of the church. However, as you look through the, the New Testament, it really is just assumed that you are, are really plugged in, you are really committed, and they actually had... Uh, some kind of roster, some kind of role. These people are in, these people are not. It, it says in, in Acts chapter 2, as we've read before, that day by day they were added to their what? They were added to the number, right? You go through the progression of the, the, the church of, of Jerusalem uh, through the first few chapters of, of Acts, and you, you really see this number that they're recording, and it's growing. It goes from 120 in the upper room it goes from that to 3,120. It moves forward to 5,000 men. Then you add women and children, probably upwards of 10,000, if not more. And we just see the numbers. You go to Acts chapter 6, and you see that they have this, this, this list of sorts that they know who they need to distribute uh, food to. There's the Hellenists and the Hebrews. You remember the, the Hellenists felt like they were being overlooked a little bit, and so there was uh, the appointing of deacons there. But you can read through the scriptures, and it is just assumed that you were committed to a church and you were on some kind of role. We think back to in, in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus gives us the parable of the, the, the lost sheep. You familiar with this? 99 and 1, you've heard it uh, kind of titled different ways. There's, there's 100 sheep and that one sheep goes away. And what does Jesus do? He leaves the 99 and he goes after the one because he's very keenly aware. Where are they all? Oh, there's one missing. And so he goes and he tries to retrieve that one because he cares for that. And that really what church membership is in part, among many other things, is kind of a, a covering for you. It's a protection for you. It's, it's a way that God says, I want to care for you. I want to protect you so that if you find yourself going astray, not on purpose, right, then you have people who care for you and shepherds and leaders and elders and deacons who, who care for you who can say, we're going to go rescue you and bring you back to the fold. 99, but I'm missing one. 
there was, there, was, there was roles. I really believe church membership is something that we are to move forward with as, as a church. And not just to say, here's something else to commit to, but because I believe it's God's best for you. It's God's will for you. And God's will is always um, his best for you. I, I'm just convinced that we need to commit. We, we really need to commit. Again, Jesus says, I will build my church in the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then after saying that, he goes on, Ephesians uh, 5.25, and he gives himself up for her, his church. He, he dies for her. Then he sends out his disciples, turns them into apostles, and then they go on and die for her. And so can I just make a really bold declaration here tonight as we, we kind of kick things off? Here's a bold declaration for you. And, and, and I think I can say it with biblical confidence and with authority that it is an offense to God when we half-heartedly live for what he wholeheartedly died for. You get that? I really believe that it's an offense to God to kind of half-heartedly live for the bride of Christ that he wholeheartedly died for. It must just baffle God when the gathering of Christians, the the church, the assembly, for us just kind of becomes this thing that, eh, I'll, I'll get to it if I can I mean, God must just be baffled as excuses uh, come out of people's mouths like, uh, I'm going out tonight, or, uh, you know, I have, I have some schoolwork tonight, or I'm tired, or I'm busy, or tonight a game is on, right? Or, or, or whatever, we have this plethora of excuses, and it must just absolutely baffle God. I mean, understand that, that today, all across the world, there have been people who have risked their very lives to gather with other Christians and worship the Lord and, and, and sing His praises and, and, and hear from Him in His Scripture. They, they risk their lives to gather despite the very possibility that while they're worshiping the Lord, authorities could come in and end their gathering with gunfire. But they gathered because they had this burning desire within themselves to be with the Lord and to be with His people in worship. But then here we are today, and, and so many American Christians kind of have this attitude of, well, if, if I'm available, if I, maybe I can, I'll, I'll get around to it. And tell me which one is authentic, which one is, is, is real. And, and, and I'm bold tonight, I just feel emboldened by the Spirit of God tonight because I'm fearful. But I, I'm, I'm not fearful for these guys who are worshiping the Lord, risking their lives. I'm fearful for us. I'm, I'm less fearful for them to lose their lives by gunfire this very day than for us to die of old age 30, 40, 50 years from now because I believe that for the American church, our eternal destination is in question because of the half-heartedness in our, in our lives. You know, Jesus says you will know them by their fruit. And so, this kind of commitment, what kind of fruit is that really? The, the kind of commitment that says, well, if I can, I'll make what's important to Jesus important to me. Jesus also says, if you're not willing to take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. And, and see, that's commitment. And there, there's no room for doubt that Jesus calls us to commitment. And so I'm burdened, and, and I, I just want to call us tonight to commitment. First, to Jesus as Lord. So if you don't know Jesus, commit your life to him. Follow him. But then as a natural outflow of that, to commit to the church that he died for. And I understand um, 
that there are some scenarios floating around. And so let's talk uh, just for a minute through some scenarios. See, we, we call people as a church to identify with the church and church membership. Now, we will welcome people into uh, the church to be a, kind of a, a part of the church in a sense who, who maybe aren't at, at the place of, of membership. Maybe they're just kind of at this, this introductory level. They're kind of checking Jesus out. There's always going to be people who are in the room, even like tonight, maybe if this is you, we're glad you're here, who maybe you're just kind of exploring uh, Jesus a little bit. There's, there's non-Christians among us, and, and I praise God for that. I pray that we will constantly always have non-Christians uh, among us, and if that's you, I just pray that you would, you would be among us, and you would find us to be a loving group of people who deeply care for you, and want to embrace you, and, and, and display to you the, the goodness and grace of our God through our lives, and, 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 and through our, 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 our speaking and teaching of, of the scripture, and so if that's you, we're totally glad you're here. There's always going to be among us, like just below me right now in the room uh, on the second floor, uh, we always will have children among us, right? And, 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 and in a sense, they are a, a part of the church and that we are going to really be devoted to, to teaching them the truths of Jesus and, and, and to caring for them and raising them up in the, the fear and the admonition of the Lord. But they're not a part of the, the, the church in that they have, in their own hearts, made that decision to trust Jesus with, with their, their, their very lives, to place faith in them. And, and so... Not yet members, but still, in a sense, a part of the, the church. And so we love those people. We love our children. We embrace our children. We care for them and we teach them, but not necessarily members of, of the church yet. And there's also going to be always people who come in here who are members of the universal church, right? We follow Jesus, uh, but not yet members of this specific roster, right, of this specific local expression of of. The, the body of, of Christ. And there's going to be people, especially in Boston, who are moving in and out often and, and trying to find a home church. And maybe they're new to the area. And, and we welcome you. If that's you, you're here. And can I also just say we prayed for you because we're a new church in the area. And we're at, we come to a point in, in this journey. We say, God, we really could use uh, some Christians as well to show up. And we're not trying to snag Christians from other churches. But if you just want to transplant some people, you know, teleport them in, that would be awesome too because we could really use some help from some solid people. But let me say this to you, is be careful to not church shop forever because that is a big tendency. I'll just kind of bounce around and I'll, I'll shop forever and I'll just never commit. And I really don't think God is honored in that. If, if we really believe that the church is like a, a family and the Bible speaks to that, that often, then... You don't just bounce from family to family. Well, I don't like my family today, and so I'm going to go become, I'm going to divorce my parents and be, become a part of a, another. No, you, you make do with what has been given to you, right? I mean, you go back to the, to, the, to the New Testament. They didn't have that luxury either, right? Okay, I'm in Philippi. guess I'll go to the church of Philippi, right? That's what we really thought it would be a good idea to name our church after a, a location. So we're like Charles River, you know, we'll be the Charles River Church rather than the, you know, some crazy cool name. We just thought, well, you know, the New Testament, they name it after a location, so we'll just name our church after a location as well. And so that's kind of how we did it. But listen, just make do with what you had in those days. And we do have the luxury to choose churches, but be, be careful in that and, and commit and, and say, I want to be a part of this family, warts and all. And you're going to find, as you move forward with us, 
that we are not a perfect church. In fact, there's no such thing as a perfect church. And so just, just be warned of that and, and don't shop and bounce forever. And so also, when, when local people come our way, they're Christians and they didn't just move in, but they, they're, they're from the area. One of the first questions we want to ask them is, so, so why did you leave your previous church? And, and, and why are you here? Because we're not about this, you know, swapping sheep around, but we want people who are coming to faith in Jesus and not just, well, you know, your music's better or your children's ministry is better or your preacher's a little more funny or he really holds my attention. And so we want to be very careful as to, okay, why did you even, why did you even want to move in the first place if you're from this area you didn't just transplant in? And, and because we want to be mindful as we build this church not to build a church of consumers. You look in America, and there is this consumeristic church kind of mentality. And so what we want to do is we want to build our church like the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, I-, I seek to build churches like this. He says, I seek to build churches as a wise master builder. In other words, I want to be very careful into how I build a church, and I want to build them on the right foundation, Jesus, and with the proper materials. I don't want to just kind of just grab any people. I mean, it'd be easy to say, people, stay. But we want to build with people who say, I'm really devoted to Jesus, and I'm really here to, to be a part of this and to commit and to give. And so let's be clear. Let's be really clear that we are not looking to grow a consumeristic crowd. We are looking to grow a, a contributing core. We don't want to build a consumeristic crowd, but we want you to become a, a contributing core because I believe that's in the scriptures. And... Uh, that we would contribute in our local context to the body of Christ. And so for us as a, as a new church in this, this corner of Boston, we're at that place where it's time to call people to become a part of the contributing core and to say, we're in. We're on mission with you, and, and we want to do this. We want to be a part of that mission of connecting Boston to Christ. And so that's, that's the heart. That's the heart. Let's pick up where we left off last week. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 7. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, uh, I believe, is one of the most important passages of Scripture in the Bible on church life. And so in this passage, we, we get three challenges to the church. Last week, we got challenge number one of three, and then tonight, we'll get challenge two and three. And so if you're a note taker, um, you might want to catch up on last week's point. And I, I would encourage all of us, Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so I would encourage you, be a note taker. Take that river guide, flip it over, and utilize the, the, the space on the back to take notes. And we have baskets with pens, and so you can do that. But point one of, of last week uh, was very simply sync up. Verses 1 through 6, we, we saw that we are, are called to live out and practice the, the family unity that we have in position, that we have been unified as a family, but now we've really got to work out that unity in, in, in our humility towards one another, in our, um, in, in our patience, in our bearing with one another in love, in our gentleness, and, and working to maintain the unity of the Spirit. So challenge number one from Paul to this church that he started, and, and I guess uh, me just speaking from the words of that pastor to us, challenge number one, sync up, be unified. Challenge number two, where we go tonight, is power up. Sync up, and now number two, power up. Let's read on. Look at verses uh, 7 through 10. Here's what he says. He says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, 
what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? Power up, right? Power Rangers. Go, go Power Rangers. Whatever that is, however it goes. Power up. So, so Paul had previously, in the previous verses, he had talked about uh, unity in the church. And now he's talking diversity, the, the importance of diversity in, in the church. And verse 7, by God's grace, we have, given this, we have been given this diversity of, of gifts from the Lord. It says every Christian has, has been given a measure of, of Christ's gifts. And so what we, what we call these are our spiritual gifts. Maybe you're familiar with spiritual gifts. I really believe that Scripture tells us that every Christian, uh, at the point of salvation, the Holy Spirit uh, takes up residence inside of their heart, no longer in the temple of the Old Testament, but at the, the crucifixion of Jesus, the, the curtain was ripped in half, and the, the temple no longer resides there, or the Spirit no longer resides there, but He resides in us. And so He, he takes up residence in us, and He empowers us by His Holy Spirit to have spiritual gifts and he 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 gifts us and 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 these gifts are are used of us uh, via the holy spirit through us to one glorify god and then two to edify the church or to to build up the church to to serve each other and so every local church wherever it is is given this this beautiful diversity of spiritual gifts in its people and so we're kind of like a mosaic where we're all different shapes and colors and we're different but we make up this beautiful, beautiful um, piece of artwork from the Lord, and he calls it his, his church. I, I remember uh, learning a while back what my spiritual gifts were, and, and it became pretty clear quickly that, that God had gifted me with uh, the spiritual gift of pastor teachers. We'll even read up here in, in verse 11. And so as one who's been given this gift of the Lord, it is my responsibility and my pleasure I should enjoy the gift that God has given me to to serve you as a pastor as a shepherd and as a teacher of God's word and so today we're not going to go through every single spiritual gift I would challenge you to really study those and at some point hopefully we can go through first Corinthians 12 Romans 12 specifically and nail those down but I would challenge you to investigate those spiritual gifts write these passages down and go read them uh, Romans chapter 12 first Corinthians 12 these two books are side by side in the Bible in the same chapter, that makes it kind of easy. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul lists out some gifts. And then here in verse 11, he also uh, gives us some gifts. And so in those, those lists, you'll hear things like pastor-teacher, as I shared. You'll hear leadership. You'll hear the gift of service. You'll hear the gift of administration. You'll hear the gift of generosity, compassion, tongues. I mean, we could go on and on and on about these gifts that you will hear of. And I want to encourage you to take time to determine where you're gifted. And I really believe that every Christian should be pursuing knowing what your spiritual gift is so that we should be able to say, what's your spiritual gift? Well, this is where God has gifted me. And as I've been faithful with little, he's given me more. And so maybe he's given you two or three based on your faithfulness with the, the initial one. And, and so I think it's important that we know where our, our, our giftings lie. Because just imagine, if you don't know where your giftings are, you're kind of like a baseball player. The coach says, hit the field, and then you go out in the field, and you just kind of wander, right, until you run into the green monster, because you don't know, you don't know what position you're playing. We should know what position we're playing. We should know where we fit in into the local body of Christ. And I would say this, that maybe you just need to start plugging in, doing some things, and you might find out very quickly that that is not for me. And so there's at least one down. Let's keep moving on, right? And you can go on until you find your, your spiritual gifting. So I would say search out the scripture, pray about it, 
and then start serving. And you'll find that where you're gifted is going to be an area that you just love it. You just light up, and God has, has, has gifted you in that area, and other people will start to affirm that and say, wow, you know, you really encouraged me. That was unbelievable, the words that you had to share. Well, that was the Holy Spirit speaking through you, gift of encouragement. So I would say power up, become a player, become a contributor. Use the gifts that the Holy Spirit has give, given you. Now, notice, look down at, at verses 8, 9, and, and 10 here in, in Ephesians chapter 4. Here's what Paul does. He quotes Psalm 68. It says, when, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And so what Paul does, quoting Psalm 68, is he, he, he kind of summarizes the, the psalm, and, and, and he shows that Christ is kind of this military victor. Christ is God who has become man in the flesh, and he's come down to earth on this rescue mission to save us from the grip of Satan, sin, and, and death. And Christ, by his death, and his resurrection defeats Satan's sin and death and, and leads them as his captives. And then Jesus ascends to heaven as this military victor, right? And, and so that's the gospel, right? Jesus has saved you. Uh, if you place faith in him, you have been saved by Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the, the good news. And then it, it kind of shows us that he gives Christians the, the spoils of his victory, right? And the spoils of his victory are these gifts. It says he gave gifts to men. Now, let's check this out. Let's keep going a little bit. What are the gifts that he gives to mankind? Look at verses 11 and 12. It says, and he gave the apostles, and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so, what are the gifts that he gives to mankind as the spoils of his victory? Those gifts are gifted people. He is he has given us gifted people. It says apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, or pastor, teachers, right? So, so these specific lists, uh, this, this specific list here are those who have uh, the, the gifts of ministering the word of God, whether speaking it or, or teaching it. Those, those, those are, are, are gifts of the ministry of the word of God. But, but who do those who minister the word of God, who do, they, who do they minister the word of God to? Look at verse 12. To equip the saints, right? And the saints are all Christians. So if you flip back to the left, Ephesians chapter 1, um, for those of you who, who maybe are confused that, that maybe you've been, grown up being taught that the saints are kind of this elite group of people, Ephesians chapter 1, look at the, the intro there. Uh, what does Paul say? Who does he address it to? He addresses it uh, to the, the saints, right? Verse 1. You flip over to the right, just another example. There's many more. You flip to the right, Philippians chapter 1. Who does he address it to? The saints. And so the saints aren't this kind of elite group of people who have done really powerful things for God. We're all the saints according to the scripture. And so he says, he got, Paul says that, that he has given these, these people who, who teach the word of God and minister the word of God, he has given them for the reason, the purpose of equipping the saints, all Christians, for the work of, of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. There's that metaphor again, the, the, the church. So you got that? God has gifted you and I the spoils of his victory. He has gifted us each other, right? We are God's gift to each other. And we are, I really believe that we are called to, to commit to the church family and to utilize in the church family the gifts that God has given us so that we can gift them back to each other and to serve each other. Now, 
let me, let me just speak as not a pastor for a moment, but let me kind of speak kind of on the side here as just a, a member uh, of the church, if I can do that. I can look around this room, and just as a member of the church, I can, I can look at many, many, many of you and just say, you're a gift to me. You've clearly been a gift to me. There was a time when you said something, and you have no idea that God used that, speaking of your spiritual gift of encouragement, to, to lift myself and my wife up when we were hurting over the past year. Some of you clearly have a gift of service, and you came alongside, and you served, and you did some things that you got no recognition for, but it was, you have no idea, just as a, not pastor, but just as a church member, that it was a gift to me and to my wife, to my family. I could just go on and on and on, but know that God has gifted us with you, and I pray that we could then be a gift to you as well. And so power up, commit to the church, see yourself as an essential member. First Corinthians 12, some of you, you're the eye, some of you, you're the ear, some of you, you're the hand, you're the foot, and some of you feel completely just incompetent, you have nothing to give is what you feel like. But First Corinthians 12, he says what? He says you are indispensable. You are indispensable to the body of Christ. And so I would say use the power that God's given you of the Holy Spirit spiritual gift to build up the church, search it out, find it, and then plug in and, 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 and really give to the church. Now, last challenge to the church from this passage, um, verses 11 through 16, here's the challenge. Not just power up, but now we have to use our gifts to help each other grow up. Power up and, and grow up. Notice verse 12. Why did he appoint these church leaders? Why do you appoint the church leaders? Does it say that he appointed church leaders who, who participate in the ministry of the word so that they could do the work of the ministry? I think that's kind of the mindset, especially in America, is that we have pastors, priests, bishops, whatever they are. We, we have those people, and they are just to do the work of the ministry for everybody. But that's not at all what it says. It says that my primary job as a pastor isn't to do everything that needs to be done. My primary job as a pastor, as one who ministers the word of, of God, is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And so uh, as a pastor, I'm always going to do hospital visits. I'm always going to call people up and pray. I'm always going to drive to somebody's house and, and, and care for them and minister to them maybe when they're hurting or they suffered loss. I'm always going to show up here early and, and set this place up for as long as we're mobile. I'm always going to organize fellowship events and things like that. But how much more powerful is it when you do it yourself? When you began to do it, and you began to have the power of the Holy Spirit just moving through you as you began to do the work of the ministry. Let's read on a little bit here. Verses 13 and 14. Verse 14a will go that far. It says, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children. And so Paul uses this great illustration of children. I, I love this. And, and he's saying, listen, you can't remain a child forever. You've got to, he uses some cool words, you've got to grow up. He says we're working towards mature manhood. He says growing in stature, growing to the fullness of Christ. It's a beautiful illustration that he uses here. We're children of God, but we also have to grow up to be responsible and self-sustaining in a sense. Look at verses 14 and 15. He says, so that 
we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, right? So we're not to always be children who just whenever some new teaching comes our way or we find some great preacher on the internet and he's really cool and he's got a lot of good stuff to say that we just get tossed to and fro and just kind of bounced around and, and you know, Paul warns uh, uh, his, his, his men that he has appointed as pastors and elders, he says there are going to be people who come in sheep clothing. They're going to look like Christians, but they're actually going to be wolves disguised as sheep, and they're going to destroy the church, and they're going to bring in false doctrine and heresy, and they're going to lead us astray. And so Paul here is saying, listen, we can't always be children who just hear everything that is taught and say, yes, whatever I say, listen, don't count it as my opinion Count it as the word of God and hold it up against the word of God and say, is, is he reflecting this? And if not, find another church, right? As long as it's, it's coming up against the word of God and lining up. Otherwise, you're, you're going to be this child forever who's just kind of tossed around and, and carried by the waves and wind of doctrine, by human cunning, it says, by craftiness, deceitful scheme. Verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to, what's it say? Grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And so Paul says this. He says, listen, it's time to grow up. It's time to no longer be children, but to grow up in every way into Christ, or we are to be Christ-like and increasingly growing in Christ-likeness. And so as a dad, I love this illustration, right? It's just easy for me. It, it, It totally makes sense. I get it. And so can I talk about my kids for a moment? You cool with that? You know, parents love to do that. I've, I've learned I was in youth ministry for like 10 years, and so one of the tricks that I learned is just go up to any parent and say, tell me about your kids, and you'll be there for 30 minutes, and they, they think you're the best thing ever because you care about their kids, right? And so we like to talk about our kids, and so let me tell you a little bit about my kids. Three sweet kids, if you don't know them, you should get to know them. Um, three sweet kids, five-year-old Isaiah, three-year-old Luca, and we finally got a girl, seven-month-old baby Nora, and they are at, you know, different stages in their development, as you can imagine. Uh, our, 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 our kids, we, we feed them food, right? That's what parents should be doing. That's our responsibility. And we've noticed that they're at different stages in their, their feeding and their, their eating. And so as parents, we're aware of that. And we want to kind of usher them from this stage to this stage to, to this stage until one day my son Isaiah and I are going to sit down and have a big fat, juicy steak, and we're just going to savor it. It's going to be awesome. We're kind of moving them in that progression, right? And so Nora, seven-month-old Nora, is, is kind of in that transition from just milk to now she's starting to eat food, right? And so what we'll do is we'll take our food and we'll kind of puree it, right, to this nice, pasty beautifulness, and then we'll feed her that. And it's just a mess, Right? We'll, we'll put it in her mouth, and she'll just, blah, 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 blah. And she doesn't get the concept that you have to close your mouth, otherwise it just falls out. And so it seems like, you know, 75% of it falls out, and, you know, she does get some in her belly because it seems as though she's, she's filling up. And, and it's messy, but for us as parents, it's, oh, it's so cute. She's eating, and she's got it all over her face and all over her hair. And then we, you know, we do the choo-choo, 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 choo-choo. Right, and it's it's we love it, right? And and you know, occasionally we'll give her something new, you know, like uh, butternut squash. It's it's fall, and so we gave her some some you know pureed butternut squash the other day. We went, and right when it hit her mouth, it was it was she just instant did not want 
that at all. Now, this is where some Christians are at in their faith, understandably, right? The baby's in the faith, uh, they're, they're, they're starting to plug into church life, they're, they're starting to be uh, fed spiritual, good, solid, spiritual food for the first time, and for me as a pastor starting this church and leading a group of people in this thing, I'm like a proud parent. They're here, they're eating the word of God, it's awesome, it's the bread of life, it's, it's as Paul says, crave, as newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, and so as a pastor, I just get jacked up, you're here, and you're hungry for the word, and you made it a point to be here, but from time to time, with, with like, like a new baby, you, you, you get something, just you spew it out. Oh my goodness, what did he just say? What did I just, did God really say that? And we don't want to hear it. We, we spew it out. But what my wife and I do with our children is we, we want them to learn to like vegetables. And so we don't say, well, I'll just never touch that again. But we continue, continue until eventually they eat it, right? And, and they want it. And and, and, and can I just say that as you grow up in the faith, you will find things that, pff, what? God didn't say that, surely. And you read it, and you're still kind of struggling with it. And you get like my, my three-year-old Luca is, is eating food on his own now, but he's a mess, right? And so he's kind of made that progression where he, he's starting to, he's starting to, to eat, but it's, it's messy, and he's struggling with stuff, and ah, I don't like that, and we're like, no, you better eat it, and it ends up all in his hair, and we, we go for it with him, we're helping him, right, and, and imagine with me for a minute, if I invited you over to my house, and we had a dinner uh, together um, with my family, and you, and maybe you know, somebody you're with, or whatever, and, and we're, we're having dinner, my wife uh, pulls out her chicken pot pie, and, and we're sitting down, we pray for the food, and then she takes her fork, and then leans over to my five-year-old, choo, 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 choo. That's not cute, is it? That's weird. He's five years old. He goes to school. He brushes his teeth. And you're choo-chooing to him. That's weird, right? So there's a point in our lives as Christians where we grow up. We move to the next stage. And we start to, to, to feed our, ourselves. My prayer is that we would all start to, to spiritually move in that direction. That we start to, to feed ourselves rather than just walking in here and saying, feed me. And then leaving and coming back for another meal next Sunday. Or if you're doing really good, maybe come back for another meal you know, on, on a connection group night. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And, and maybe that's good. And that's all you get. You need to learn, Paul says. You've you got to start to feed yourself. You start to, start to really learn how to feed yourself. And maybe at first it's messy and you're... You know, you're sitting in Leviticus, and you're thinking, what? It's messy. You're like my three-year-old. It's like all in your hair. I don't, what? I don't get this, right? And it's messy, but you learn to, to feed yourself. My, my, my three-year-old, Luca, he's a big preschooler now, and I love it. It's, it's so cool, him come back from class and talk about school a little bit. And, and we, we help him get dressed for school. You know, he knows how to do his, his Buzz Lightyear underwear, right? He can put those on. And he can, he has more than one pair, I promise. But he'll put his underwear on, cartoon character, and then he'll put his, his pants on. He can even put his socks on. And sometimes on a good day, he can put his shoes on. But you know how a shirt is. It's kind of awkward. And you got So he has trouble with his shirt. And so what, what happens so often in the mornings, I'll, I'll, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, going to preschool at the YMCA. And so he'll come to me and he'll, he'll go, right? So I can just, whoop, drop this shirt on, on, on top of him. It's, it's tricky and I, I totally get that. And that's cute, right? 
I love, I think that's the coolest thing ever when he goes, put it on me, right? But if, if my son wakes up at 16 years old and goes, that's weird, that's ridiculous, you're like, you need some therapy. There's, there's a, a problem with that, right? My, my job as a parent is to help him to grow up to maturity so that he can dress himself, right? So that he can then have kids of his own and he can dress them, right? And that's what discipleship is, right, by the way? If you look at the, the verses of Scripture in the Bible that talk about discipleship, 2 Timothy 2.2, some of you men were in our Panera Bread, Panera Bread uh, men's group, and I was beating that passage of Scripture into your head that, that there's four generations of disciples, Paul to Timothy, Timothy to the men who will teach others also. Like, you're not, you're not, you're not really doing discipleship until you've made a disciple who makes a disciple, right? So discipleship is this generational kind of thing, and so... Luca, we're moving him towards mature manhood so that he can dress himself and then he can dress his kids who will grow up and can dress their kids and on and, and on and on and on tonight. I remember for the first time uh, when Isaiah started to dress himself. He would come out of his bedroom. He said, I'm going to get ready. We're like, okay, this is going to be fun. He'd come out of his bedroom and he's got, you know, like his, his pants on and his underwear underneath and he's got his shirt tucked in his underwear and he's got like one arm out the head hole, you know, and he's got like a Superman mask on, which is, love it, it was awesome, right, he's, he's doing it, and it's, it's kind of messy at, at first, but it's cool, I love it, I love it, right, and what that did was that freed my wife and I up to, now he can dress himself, now we can start to dress our other children, and that's how it works in the church, guys, that it's no longer just simply those who have the, the, the spiritual giftings of the ministry of the word of God, but they've equipped saints who can then minister as well and frees them up to then minister to others. And it becomes this beautiful, beautiful Tupperware-style pyramid scheme. Wonderful thing. And so, look at verse 15. It says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. And so, with love... Genuine love in our hearts. We're to, we're to speak to people and speak truth into people's lives and, and say, listen, I love you. I, I care for you. And in light of that, I want to call you to grow up in the Word of God. And here's what the Word of God says. And so I want to call you. It might be something that pff, you, you spew out at first, but I care for you. I love you. And so I want to call you to grow up into Christ's likeness. We're to speak the truth in love. Help others to grow up into Him who is the head. We are to all be those kind of people. So it's no longer simply this guy up front saying, grow up, grow up. But we're looking at each other and saying, I love you. I want to help you grow up. I want to help you grow up. And we do this thing together. And so that's what we're doing tonight, right? Is we're saying, guys, let's grow up. Let's grow up. Let's commit. Let's move from being a church of just consumers to starting to be a church of contributors. Let's not be the consumers who are constantly kind of staying at this, this childlike level where we walk in the door and say, what can you give me? Better be good. Better keep my attention. Better have some good jokes in there. And then go home. And then kind of, you know what we are is we're like, we're like sermon wine tasters. You know, we go in, we're like, that was really good. You know, I, t- I, 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 I sense a, you know, a little hint of Calvinism in there. That was excellent. Then you come over here and you're like, oh, that joke was very applicable. It worked very well. I, you know, I, I sense a little bit of... Uh, Charles Spurgeon in there, and we just kind of, we're like wine tasters, and we try to get the best of whatever we can, right? We're just consuming, right? 
And we don't want to be those kind of people. Because it, it might have this facade of spiritual maturity that I, I can listen to sermons and I can hear people preach and teach and I can say this, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, I like this, I like that. And I can just consume but not contribute. It seems like spiritual maturity, but really what you're doing is you're staying at a childlike level. It's like we're walking into the church doors every Sunday and going, give me something good. I'm going to walk out. I'm not going to learn to dress myself. Dress me, feed me, give me what I want, but don't ask me to do anything. Don't ask me to commit. And, and, and I want to call you to commit because I believe it's God's best for you to commit, that you might become self-sufficient. We're not leaving the Holy Spirit out of the equation, but we grow up to begin to feed ourselves and to be contributors into the, the body of Christ and to say, man, I want to be a key player in this mission that God has, has called us to. So listen to the last verse. This is good. Verse 16. He says, Christ, from whom the whole body joined together, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that, check this, it builds itself up in love. And so we've moved from verses 11 and 12 where the church leadership is equipping the church for the work of the ministry to verse 16, the whole body working together properly, is now building itself up. So that's, that's a mature church. We have moved to the point where we're, we're building ourselves up. Right? We're like cells that are reproducing. It's, it's, it's beautiful. We're a, a group of people who are synced up in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are, are powered up. We are recognizing the diversity of gifts that we have, and we're exercising them. And then we're growing up. We're using those gifts to minister to each other, being contributors in the church, building each other up, becoming really increasingly committed to God's church as he would have us, so that we're not childlike consumers, but we're, we're grown-up contributors. And so I close by just asking you, where are you at tonight? As you hear all of this from God's word, where, where are you at? Maybe, maybe God's starting to make it kind of clear that, hey, it's time for you to grow up in the faith. Not a cut down. I'm not trying to say grow up. You're acting like a baby. I'm trying to say, listen, God cares for you. I care for you. And I think it's time for us to, to grow up. And maybe God's saying to you, grow up and, and, and commit to his church. Move forward in this. And, and say, I'm ready to, to, to even plug in in, in in membership. Maybe some of you, God's starting to make it clear that I need to really say, yes, I'm in here. And, and so, again, I just want to point you to that connection card. If this is you, that's kind of where you're at right now. The card in the bottom there, it says, I would like to pursue church membership. And maybe you want to do that, and the baskets are going to come by in just a second. You can drop that card in. We'll contact you with more information about that. Um, so make sure you do that. I really want to challenge us in that. But then others of us in here, maybe we're just at the, the place right now where God's starting to make it clear that I just need to be a part of the universal church for starters, right? I just, I just need to say yes to Jesus. I just need to place faith in, in Jesus. I want to recognize my sin. I want to recognize that, that Jesus is God who came down to earth taking on flesh and dying on the cross as our substitution. Uh, great theologians of old have, have called it the, the great exchange. And we say, I want to declare him as my Lord because he has, he has done such a, a wonderful, powerful thing for me and I need him. And so maybe you just need to say yes to Jesus tonight and say, I, just, I need you. I want to follow you. And maybe that's the next step you need to take. But wherever you're at, we're just going to pray right now. We're just going to close our eyes. And I just want to give you the chance, just in the silence of this moment, just to, 
Say what you need to say to God. You just lift up a prayer. Maybe it's God, show me my next step. Help me to grow up. Help me to commit. Maybe it's Jesus, I want to follow you as Lord. Thank you. You just pray. You take this time in this moment to pray. God, I pray for every person in this room. You know their next step. You know how they can move forward to, to growing up into Christ who is the head of the church, Christ-likeness. can never be good enough, Lord, to, to, to become Christ-like in our own effort, but we need to have you just implant your Holy Spirit inside of us as we say yes to you. And so there are people in this room, God, tonight who just need to say yes to you, and I pray that you would be stirring that in their hearts tonight, that they would say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I wasn't a true believer, and now I am. I want to follow you. And Lord, for, for those in this room who maybe are starting to get this sense that, you know, I'm a little bit nominal, I'm, I'm, I've kind of been childlike in my faith, and you're showing that it's time to start to grow up and to plug and to serve, Lord, would you make that clear to them? Help them to see those next steps that they need to take. And God, we, we pray that by your grace we would grow up into the fullness of Christ as a church, that we would be the body of Christ led by you and then building each other up in love. God, would you grant us that grace that we'd be able to look at um, our, our history 10 years down the road, just like the church we, we saw just a little while ago, and, and praise you for just a powerful, great work that you've done in us. But God, we also pray for the universal church. We pray for the church here in Boston. And so many doing a great work here. And God, we just pray that you would grow up these other churches in you. And that we would become this wonderful, beautiful, spiritual ecosystem where our roots are running deep, gospel roots underground, and they're starting to intertwine. We're all on the same team, God. Grow the universal church here in Boston, in New England, in nominal America, to the uttermost parts of the world. And we be a part of that by committing here where you place us in this time. We pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.